and welcome to Illumination Bureau, where we hope to enlighten you with all of the hidden stuff that you don't know about careers in creative. This is Catherine Lang Klein and Kristen Harris, and we will be your hosts. We are the co-creators of Portfolio Creative, a company that connects creative people in the marketing and advertising space. We've been doing this since 2005, and we've learned a lot of things that we want to share with you. We have so much to tell you, so let's get started. Hi, this is Kristen. So I have a special guest with me here today, Erica Pryor with Epic Creative and Design. And we're going to talk about all kinds of topics, mostly around supporting employees, what post-pandemic world looks like, and, and probably a few tangents too. So Erica, if you want to jump in and, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Kristen, so much for hosting and for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Um, as she said, my name is Dr. Erica Pryor, and my company is called Epic Creative and Design. And um, it's been like an interesting journey to get to what we're actually doing today, which is fractional CMO services and marketing curriculum. And so basically what that means is we get to help businesses and entrepreneurs, whether it's in a one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's through group coaching or whether it's through on-demand marketing curriculum, because our goal is to inspire people with the stories of other individuals who have achieved success utilizing marketing strategies, is to provide information that is valuable and high impact, and then is to provide implementation. So what are the tech tools that um, you need and how can you actually start executing executing on these marketing strategies today to create the world that you want and deserve for yourself. So that is, I know it took me at least a year and a half to get to that. It sounded so smooth. I feel like super impressed with myself right now. So that is what we're doing. Today. Your pandemic success is having a concise description of what you do. That, that really is. Yes. <laughs> global pandemic, I was able to articulate my what my business is and bring two very different things that always seem so similar in my mind together. Yes. So that's, thank you. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. And we, we've known each other for, for a few years, so it's been fun to see it evolve too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, more than a few years, you know, and this is actually yeah. you on the other. Well, I was being generous, but yes. <laughs> Well, this is a shoe on the other foot because I feel like the first time that I like met you and um, is it Catherine in yes. person, I was doing an interview and you all were getting um, the Tech Columbus um, Innovation Awards for something or you were there and I was working with Talktainment Radio at the time and I was doing um, on-site interviews with winners and with um, other individuals that were nominees and I interviewed you and Catherine, I remember at that event, because you were some of the only women business owners that were even like named in um, any category. So this is it's full oh circle. Oh my gosh, I remember that. And I didn't realize that's where we first met. How fun. That was, that's been a long time. It has been a long time. Cool. I love yeah. it. And we, we just keep intersecting paths all these years. Very cool. Well, I think that you touched on a couple of things and um, probably a lot of people know more of the fractional CMO marketing side, but I would love to talk to you a little bit more around the market marketing curriculum piece, which sounds like it's targeted more towards probably individuals like the marketing people as as opposed to uh, training people within a company. Um, well, it's a little bit of both. It really kind of depends whether I mean, but it is definitely more like 
freelancers, solopreneurs, um, creatives, um, individuals, anybody who is looking to kind of build and develop a brand or a platform, right? Okay. And that they are then looking to um, create opportunities for themselves, whether that's speaking engagements, whether that's new projects, new clients, whatever it is, because at the current moment, like you can't generate business, um, whether you're a freelancer or a contractor or a solopreneur or a coach, whatever category, you can't generate business without having a brand and without having a brand presence. And so whatever your goals are, we try and, you know, help you align that with proven marketing strategies. Um, and so the curriculum part is really the, it's a teaching part. Like I, I'm here to empower people. That's what I feel like my role is as a coach and as like a CMO is to empower you to do what it is that you want to do. So I give you the tools, the information, the insights and help you apply it because it is difficult, like to know how to apply things and help you sort through the tech tools um, so that you can kind of start with a short list of tools that you can use, a strategy that you can use, a process that you can go through and you can start doing something. Cause I love to go to a workshop and they give you all of this stuff and there's like tons of things to wade through. And you're like, I, this is great. This binder is amazing. I paid $300 for it, but I don't know where to start. And then you come back to your desk and just keep doing the same thing you're doing because you you're overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I spent that three hours there because I've got this book of material that I'll never turn to again. Yeah, yes, because so. I don't even know where to start. So I I think one thing um, that's interesting is as far as like a smaller company, I think you're also able or I'm assuming supporting employees of a smaller company. And I think that's really interesting especially like, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, knock on something, you oh, know. Nice. Things are getting better. The sun is shining. We're all feeling better, getting our shots. Um, my arm hurts right now because I just got my second one. <laughs> they are painful. Like, it's a painful inoculation. They don't lie about that. They don't lie about that. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, I think we're all starting to feel more positive. And so I was curious to talk a little bit about, like, why that kind of support is needed, whether you're, you know, an individual, like you said, solopreneur or freelancer, or you work for a smaller company, like, why do people need, you know, additional support and training? Like, why, why don't whatever they were doing before work now? No, I think those are great questions. And yeah, we have been working with some small businesses who have said, we like the coaching aspect of what you're doing. And we like the kind of industry specific element because you really understand, you know, that the agency world and the marketing industry. Um, but we want to create something that's a little more customized for our employees. We're a small team. We work together, um, you know, a lot um, across different functions and, um, you know, everybody is just multiply juggling so much stuff. And it's in such a way that we can't say, you know, um, leave your work at home, leave your work at work and your life at home. Like we can't say that anymore. And, you know, managers are now hearing from employees with kinds of needs that they don't necessarily know how to fulfill because they're perhaps more emotional or more cultural needs. Um, so that's really that interesting. Was, it's yeah, not just about was, skills yeah. and marketing tools. It's culture, it's communication, that kind of stuff. It was definitely around like, um, helping it to sustain 
the culture that they had created. It was about giving people some tools to uh, better understand how to engage. And then um, thinking about ways that they can continue to facilitate teamwork in a more distributed way, because this is their first time being fully distributed. And like a lot of companies, they decided, you know, we're going to continue being distributed. But what does that mean moving forward for teamwork, collaboration, um, engagement? Um, one of the things that we heard a lot of people saying was, you know, there's a there's a skills gap, like people know what their job is, um, but they don't really know how to do it. And so they're spending a lot of time like on Google trying to figure out what to do. And so that's been, you know, the other kind of interesting piece of this is infusing, you know, that marketing knowledge and insights to be able to kind of reflect back like, okay, here's the marketing things that we're doing. Here's how you can apply them to yourself. But then here's also how you can apply them to your role that you're currently that you're currently in. But yeah, the the Googleization, you know, like <laughs> I have no idea how to do my job, you know, I'm just gonna Google it. I mean, and it works sometimes, but sometimes you need some greater insights. And and sometimes that just means building a stronger relationship with your team members, knowing where other people's skill sets may be, their expertise areas. You might one work in one area, but you have a couple different expertise areas and knowing how to kind of tap that person and engage with them. Like that's you know, some of what it could be as well. Yeah. And, you know, that's so interesting. So you brought up skills gap. And I think we've been hearing that term for quite a while, like, you know, well, well before 2020. And I think it's really interesting. I, I love your perspective on this. What I see is, you know, back in the day, I don't know however long ago, but in the past, someone would start a job in some sort of entry level, you know, version of a role and whether it was something they went to to college for, or they came out of high school and, and they got this job, you know, just depends on the role, but they would start a job and they would kind of show up as themselves and the company would train them. It's like, I will, I will come in as a responsible person that shows up on time and I care and I, you know, will work hard, but you'll teach me how to do the job. And I feel like, you know, that like on the job training, and I feel like somewhere along, you know, the path of like in my career, Span. I can see it having changed very much to, I feel like companies want people to show up like fully trained, know every software, ready to go. So it's really, you know, people, I feel like people are so much on their own to learn and develop themselves. And, but then also I feel like that's kind of an unrealistic expectation also. Like there's, to me, a skills gap is maybe almost like a gap between realistic expectation from from the employer versus the employee mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are you seeing that like kind of thing a, too absolutely i feel like it's a both and um it's both the expectation that you know how to do the job that you've previously done the job and that you're immediately going to know how to do the job in a new context and with all the softwares that we use you know there's only a million softwares out there but you need to know the 10 we use or <laughs> you're not even we're not able to hire you right yeah. and i think that um you know that's definitely one of the reasons why i got into coaching is because people were like i 
what do I do? Like, I'm trying to get into a new industry. I don't have the experience, but even entry level jobs are asking for, you know, three, four years of experience. And I'm like, that is the conundrum. And so helping people kind of figure out other ways to maneuver around the job market, whether that's like joining and engaging networking groups or whether that's, you know, identifying leadership opportunities within your company and like advocating for stretch you know, projects or whatnot to get into that different space. But there is this um, misnomer that people need to, like you said, they need to come in like fully formed and ready to like execute from day one. And especially if you're like an early career professional and you've only held down maybe two or three jobs and a couple internships in your past, like that becomes really intimidating. And then you throw in the tendency of women and people of color to, you know, look at a description and say, I cannot complete like 70, you know, I complete right. 75 of it, but this 25 here, I'm not so sure about. And then yeah. unless I'm a hundred percent, I won't apply. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it does become like a real catch 22, but on the same token, you hear employers saying, you know, we've got jobs open for months and months and we cannot find the perfect candidate and we just don't know where they are. So we're just going to punish the other employees by, you know, splitting up their, you know, these jobs. Giving giving them more work, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to be, you know, and then, and then you have jobs that are literally coming into existence that did not exist a Mm -hmm. year, even like 10 months ago. And so again, this unrealistic expectation that people are fully formed, like workers ready to like execute on day one has to be let go, especially when you start thinking about like, you are creating jobs that just simply did not exist. Yeah, that that always reminds me, I've probably shared this before, but um, like literally one week after the iPad came out, Someone contacted us and was like, hey, do you have iPad developers? And we're like, well, since it came out last week, I don't know how many people are like, you know, fully experienced iPad developers, but I bet the people who do iPhone apps are, you know, going to be your people. It was just like, okay, (laughs) like reality check, you know, this isn't, oh, I'm going to go find somebody who's been developing for an iPad for six months because it just came out last week. But let's look at people who have transferable skills, right? What What is the closest to it? Who's likely to move into it? I just, there, yeah, it is really interesting. And it can be frustrating too. Like you said, there are companies who are like, oh, we have all these jobs and we can't find the right candidate. And sometimes I think that... Um, I mean, we have conversations with clients to just really help them prioritize, like, what is most important? You have a, you know, a huge wish list, which is great, but what is really most important? Because you're probably looking for a unicorn. Like, how many people really have every single thing on your list? Mm-hmm. Unlikely, ever. But, you know, what what is most important? Like, there are critical things you have to have to be able to do the job, for sure. And then what can be trained? Or what is... Um, you know, related and transferable or like, well, if you know this software, or this software, then this one's very similar, you'll be able to easily learn it. Like trying to have that making those connections, I think is so much along the lines of what you're saying. And I guess then do you feel like, you know, part of the answer also is yeah, for individuals, there is some responsibility to be doing their own training and learning for themselves, like continuing to develop themselves too, not just expecting their company to provide everything they ever need. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of people, you know, the pandemic really showed everybody that 
you can always be learning. You can always be training. You don't have to pay for it each and every time. There's plenty of free resources out there to, you know, help you learn the skills to upskill, to reskill. Um, but I think the lesson here is as much as we want employers to make those connections and we want hiring managers to actually see the transferable skills and that opportunity, like that's where I think coaches um, and other people, you know, in this space can help job seekers actually like highlight what that yeah. is, yeah. both, you know, from a, a resume perspective, from a, you know, cover letter perspective, from a just how you pitch yourself, you know, like actually, because I mean, because now more like employers are asking, you know, like, what do you actually care about? Because they want people who are aligned <laughs> with their brand. Like, yeah. and if you care about like the fact that you're a legacy brand, and everyone's going to know that I have a really great resume hit, like, they're not actually going to go for that in ways that they used to because they like that reputation. So now it is more important than ever, whether you are working for yourself and or working, you know, with another company as an employee or a partner, that you have a brand that you can articulate and that you can do it in a multiple of different ways because people consume things in all different channels um, and that you are, you know, kind of consistent with it. Um, and so that's for anybody. Like, that's why I say like the manifesting new opportunities for pers through personal branding is for any anybody because having a platform um, is something that everybody needs to have if they want to continue attracting whatever kind of opportunities and getting results like it's just an ongoing you know kind of cycle of where we are I mean and I love it because the pandemic saw so many like youtubers and influencers and online personalities completely converge and so now people are really like taking it even more seriously like as an occupation as a second revenue stream as a, a passive as a way to you know up like level up themselves and get attention from, you know, more important people that might be in there, you know, two degrees away. Now you might get to be a degree away, you know, so. Yeah. So interconnected. So interconnected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I think you're right. I think a lot of times a, an outsider, whether it's, you know, like us, like a recruiter or a coach like you, or, you know, just maybe a, a trusted mentor or somebody, you know, peer or whatever, I think other people can often help you see the connections and the the things, the way things relate and the gaps more easily than you can see for yourself. That's what I always think about our business is like, we can advocate so hard for creatives because we really believe in them and we see their skills and their potential. But it is really hard to do for yourself. Like, I don't think creatives are really good at advocating for themselves anyway. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I think they benefit from having an outside perspective wherever it comes from, you know, just somebody you trust, but someone who can look and say, but look, you have this, this, and this, and it matches up to this, or it's similar to this. Um, kind of an extreme example is there are websites that help people coming out of the military figure out how their skills transfer because they're not going to find you know, the tasks they did in the military often on a civilian job description, Absolutely. but but they do line up. And so if you can help people figure out like, oh, this thing I did in the military in the civilian world, I could do these three things. It's, you know, very similar, um, you know, skills and so on. 
but a lot of times it's hard for them to to make that connection because they only know the world they know. You know, they don't know that civilian job, but someone who does can help them like match it up. Absolutely. I actually, um, girl, that's how I figured out. I was actually good at resumes because my uh, ex-husband, current daughter's father, he was, um, um, had spent three branches of the military. And like, by the time we got together, had one kind of one job post-military and was trying to relocate. And so uh, it wasn't a matter of like sitting down, looking at his resume and being like, as a, if I were an HR manager, I would not know what any of these like words and acronyms mean. So like, help me figure out what they mean. What did you do? Okay. That means you're actually qualified for these kinds of roles and, you know, but it is like a, I mean, in any industry, right. It's like, okay, you are inundated with your industry jargon. So when you're talking about what you do, it's like through that industry lens. And if you are trying to pivot to a new industry, you have to assume that like, everyone doesn't have that industry lens. So when you're talking about your transferable skills, you have to do the application to help people see how that skill transfers from here to here. And a lot of times people don't know how their skills transfer from here to here as well, which is why that feedback from someone um, can be really valuable, as you said, because you can help them connect those dots um, and get them thinking from that industry perspective, or at least from a more general, how they can make the applications clear for others, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, 2020 blew up lots of things. So I think a lot of people either will or can, you know, sort of go through some of this transition. You know, some people, they they lost their job or their whole industry has been shut down for a while, you know, and so they're probably looking at different industries, maybe similar roles in another industry or something like that. Um, other people, it's an opportunity, you know, things have opened up maybe for them. Suddenly, you know, a uh, type of company they want to work for is open to remote employees. And so they could apply for a job they would have applied for before. So I do think people are going through a lot of career transition, you know, by by choice or otherwise. I just feel like in the next couple of years, there will be a lot of transition, plus a lot of things just accelerated. You know, yeah. digital marketing was obviously huge. But it's even bigger now. <laughs> it's like fast forwarded five or 10 years. And so I think there's just a lot of transition in, in the creative industry. We're, we're really close to, I'm sure, in lots of industries, but that's what you and I both, you know, pay, pay that attention to. Well, the other thing that I think is interesting when you start speaking about the pandemic and like personal branding is that you've also seen um, by virtue of political unrest, um, executives and senior leaders have to actually kind of come out as individuals um, and, you know, and have a platform around what they want to do as executives and senior leaders to transition, um, you know, diversity and equity within their organization. So they've had to look at their own individual brand and then they've had to, you know, communicate that platform, but then also look at the organizational brand 
and understand, you know, if they are communicating a platform that aligns with um, their values and their purpose and their brand. And if not, what are the communication strategies alongside the internal strategies that will allow us to, you know, reposition ourselves with authenticity and integrity? So again, from that branding standpoint, like 2020 to me has just been about branding and marketing and everybody realizing it some level that there's something in it for them, whether they are getting ready to start, you know, a food business out of their home and they've got to figure out how do I actually get customers and what does that look like to, you know, whether you are senior leaders at, you know, Google and Facebook and you're like, we're not going back and, you know, this is what it is and this is us standing behind our brand. Like, it's been, I mean, to me, it's been interesting to watch. Like, I just, I'm like, oh, I can't Gouch wait. Popcorn. Next. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, and thanks for, for sort of segueing over into that. I do think, I mean, I so much agree with you, you know, especially last summer, but really since then, you know, even through now, a lot of companies been coming out with statements and commitments and so on. And I think that while, all of that is appreciated. Yes, thank you for saying you want to do differently or do better. I think a lot of people are watching for the the outcome. Like you can say whatever you want. I think people are watching for the actions. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it's it's very it's important from a company standpoint. It's also important, I think, so much more. It's important to the employees. Like whatever company, if you want to have a public statement, I mean, I got things from like an airline I flew on once telling me about their diversity plan. And like, that's fine, but you don't need to send me a message about it. I'm you not need, that engaged. I'm not that engaged with you, you know, but you do need to be having that conversation with your employees and especially maybe your employees that feel marginalized or feel like they haven't been heard from or respected. Like that's who you should have the conversations with. And then that will reflect like if it's honest and genuine and you are making changes on the inside it'll show on the outside right or the opposite or the I'm, opposite maybe I'm, yeah how does that work um i'm thinking of a certain philanthropic uh foundation in the central ohio area that um the senior leader of the organization after um, you know, very serious Black Lives Matter protests are happening in town. Um, you know, elected officials are being maced. You know, this person came out to say that they were glad, you know, that the local soccer team had made some win. And so I, you know, that's one of those examples where a little tone deaf <laughs> and your organizational brand, although not the same do sync up together. Yeah. And so even when you speak as yourself, as the senior leader for that organization, um, your thoughts and ideas are going to be reflected on the organization. And so as you said, you know, if you are actually doing things internally and you're trying to live into those commitments authentically, um, you know, we're waiting to see that. Um, and if you are not doing things internally and we are just seeing statements that feel inauthentic, the activities and the results will illustrate that as well. And, you know, today yeah. more than ever, people are paying attention. And I'm sure that organization may see some donors that decide, you know what, like 
that tells me like where you guys are at in spite of whatever you may have said before. Yeah, that's interesting. And so I'm curious if you think this is totally opinion. <laughs> you don't have to have any statistics to support, but do you think that all of this um, kind of transition and training that we're talking about, do you think it is more important or weighs more heavily on minorities, maybe women, kind of depends on your industry. I feel like in the creative industry, there are a lot of women in the industry, but not always at the leadership levels. It's like they seem to drop off the higher up the you know ladder. Um, but do you think it's, it's even more important because it helps people get more opportunities or, I mean, it's important for everyone. I think everybody should always be learning. I'm kind of a learning nerd, but do you think it helps people more who might all, you know, feel like they have to overcome a little bit more or don't get as many opportunities? You know what? Um, that is interesting. I was just talking to someone earlier today because as you, you know, may or may not know, um, by and large, African-American women are more educated with greater degrees as well yeah. as loan debt that accompanies that than yes. the white female that. and male counterparts. Yep, so yep. when we talk about like greater level of education and greater level of training for some of us, that's not necessarily beneficial because I there's not much more training one can do in some instances. And, and, you know, and then you'll get told like, you're too qualified. You have too many degrees. You're too well-trained. This position isn't for X, Y, and Z. It's for someone over here. So, you know, I mean, when it comes to people deciding like what the most important criterion is, um, you know, they can come up with anything. I mean, if you take a lot of those coding camps, right, like in central Ohio, we're completely, you know, blessed to have a number of different coding camps. Yeah, However, yeah. if you look at those individual coding camps, the placement rates are very different. Um, for example, your like bunker labs and your apprentice, where your code campers have typically had um, military um, experience, they're veterans, and then may also have, um, and then tech elevation will be people who also have degrees and they are retraining. Those placement rates are much higher than coding camps um, such as Perscalis and some of the other ones that deal with retraining individuals um, and that work with individuals with lower income. So we have less college degrees, we have less professional background, um, and we have a greater skills gap to overcome. Um, they may be getting a lot of the same training, right? And we know this because a lot of those programs are aligned and they're funded by a lot of the same organizations, but there's a big gap in who gets placed and what those, um, you know, and the outcomes. Right. And what yeah. Outcomes oh, that's really interesting. So it's not training, you know, I, I think training is just, you know, one of those artificial, um, you know, thresholds that people put on whether or not they can, you know, qualify you or not qualify you in some instances. Yeah, it makes me think about how we both alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, there's studies about this that women will often look at, um, and you said minorities also will often look at a job description. And if they don't have, you know, 99%, if they don't have 100%, they won't even apply. And uh, generally, I think it's compared to a, a white male, if they have, I'm going to make up, I think it's 75 or 80%, they're like, well, I have most of the important things, at least I'll apply. I mean, they may not call me back, but I'll send my stuff in. And so it, do you think that sometimes maybe women and minorities are like 
almost doing the same thing with education. Like, well, I, I don't know enough yet. I have to learn something else. I have to take another class. I have to get another degree. Like they're just um, always thinking they don't have quite enough. They're not quite ready. Mm -hmm. I don't have everything on the list yet. I think that is, I mean, and I hate to use this term and there's a lot of controversy going on around it uh, right now, but imposter syndrome, you know, yeah. I yeah. feel like there's definitely some of that is happening. Right. And, and some people are like, stop telling women we have imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is not real. Like, I don't know if I have like a real, you know, um, position on its, its realness or not in the world. Um, but I do think that women and people of color can feel, as you said, like looking, saying, I don't fit exactly what it is. And I've been told enough that if I don't fit into this box, I can't get in the door. So yeah. I don't need them to reject me. I'll go ahead and do it for them, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, that's I, interesting. Almost you know, taking you, yourself out of the running before absolutely. someone else does. Because mm -hmm. you're like, I don't, I can already see, like, I don't belong there. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can read the, you know, you can read the job description and be like, oh God, yeah, clearly I don't belong there. <laughs> right. Any, <laughs> anyone, you know, <laughs> right. can, can see that about themselves, but. But I do oh, think taking really yourself out of the running is in part like not seeing yourself there and seeing yourself as like an alien who got this job by accident. You'd be looking around like, do they know? I do not know. Jack. Exactly. When are they going to figure out? I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Someday I'm going to be found out. Yeah, that's interesting. So do you have any... Um, you know, tips or I guess recommendations on on either that or just in general, like just being in this time of a lot of transition, a lot of um, maybe movement. I, I saw something the other day, I think 25 to 30 percent of people were expected to change jobs over the next, I don't know, I'm going to say the next year or something. I forget the time frame and, and whatever the number is, even if that's the right number or not, I think the, the bottom line is it is expected a lot of people are going to make some career changes. Sometimes it says they've figured out they like working remotely. They'll look for a job that allows that, or they realize they hate it and they'll look for something that, you know, is going back to the office or it's a different, you know, totally different career switch. Um, how, what, what kind of tips do you give, you know, like when you're coaching someone, how do you help them through that? Absolutely. So I think um, the, I mean, and that's why I say like, inspiration information implementation because i think a lot of times the first the first thing that you hear people and i hear people when they come to me is they're like i'm so exhausted like i'm so i'm feeling dejected i just don't know what to do and part of it is just like is there hope at the end of the tunnel and um, that's where I really start just trying to like listen to people and start asking them to start manifesting on their goals. Like, what is the reality that you want to create for yourself? Stop thinking about the job and like whether you're qualified and like what what's the reality? Like when you get this role, whatever it is, or you, you know, build this company to whatever point, like what will that do for you? How will you feel about that? How will you know you've like 
come to that point? Like what will be the milestones for you? And so I think like getting people to stop focusing on like the rejection and like the hurt. Um, and trust me, I've been there going from like being a faculty member and only having been like, I only went to undergrad and then graduate school and then to a PhD program. So trying to find a job and that's my experience level. I was a barista somewhere in there. Um, it was very difficult. And so I understand like just being rejected like over and over again. I remember in graduate school, I saw a art exhibit which was this artist like 2000 rejection letters and i was just like you know what i get that like i get it um <laughs> so it happens and then i think the next part is really giving people information and so i think that deep dive and looking at now that you've manifested around like what you really want to accomplish what's the real like you know job or economic opportunity that's going to bring that to you. Maybe it's not a full-time job. Like you said, maybe it is, you know, a contract role, like that's going to be remote. If you want to manifest on like more time to be able to spend with your family or greater ability to like travel or greater structure in your work life so that you can free up your mental capacity when you're not there, like those are different values, right? And you can find those um, experiences and needs in different kinds of ways. So once you start thinking differently about I need this thing and start thinking about what are my goals and what do I want to accomplish for myself, then we can start working backwards to look at a strategic approach to economic opportunity and create a plan that works for there. And of course, my plans are all rooted in, you know, marketing and personal branding, because regardless of where you go, who you are and what you care about is something people are going to ask you. So that's where I would start. I would start by, you know, trying to get inspired, whether that's making a vision board, whether that's, you know, identifying a mentor, um, talking to someone who is just going to give you a little pump up, you know, so that you <laughs> everybody needs a cheerleader. Absolutely. And then it's like digging into, um, you know, what is it that you want to accomplish and then looking at what's going to be the economic opportunity that can help get you there and being open to what those possibilities could be because work configuration is officially like a puzzle that you can move around and you can control how you make your money. You don't have to rely on an employer to do that and have one form of income. You have options now. And then it's getting the information that's going to allow you to like put that action plan, you know, in implemented so that you can start making those steps. So I love that. That is so aligned with a lot of what Catherine and I and our team talks about too. It's like um, you're daydreaming, you know, like take all the, the reality out of it. Like just what do you love? What do you enjoy? What do you wish you could do all day? Even if it has no basis in reality, like just daydreaming first and then you can do the reality check. Like, okay, what do I have that might let me do that? Or, or what would I need to get there? And then, um, strategizing on how you're going to execute it. And I do agree with you that work, work already before 2020, I feel like there's like before 2020, after 2020, <laughs> before 2020, work already was evolving. There were a lot of people, a lot of talk around gigs and side hustles and people having multiple uh, fractional kind of jobs and all kinds of different things like that. And 
all of that was already happening. And I think this just accelerated it. And I think made a lot of it much more acceptable. Right. Mainstream. It's like, it's okay. You know, if I tell you I have three different, you know, uh, quote unquote, part-time, you know, kind of jobs and a fractional thing with a company one day a week and whatever, you'd be like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Where before people would be like, what? Like, that Absolutely. is not a job, you know? Um, so I, I do think the, and people have figured out what is really important to them. And you touched on that too. Like somebody might decide, you know what? I realized in 2020, I only want to work 20 hours a week because while homeschooling my children was painful, I actually realized that I don't get to spend as much time with them as I want. And they're only little ones. So I'm going to make a choice. Like, how can I make the money I want to make doing something I like in a shorter amount of time so that I can, you know, do this other thing that's super important to me. So I think a lot of people just had a lot of um, (laughs) tests against their values and what really mattered in their life and are making decisions, you know, around about their work to better align for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, I mean, that's why I feel like starting with asking people, as you said, to kind of brainstorm the big dreams and your big purpose and your big, you know, ideas. And I found that people get a little bit scared. They're like, well, what if I fail? Like I, like, this is a really big dream. Like I haven't even said this out loud to anyone, you know, in the three years that I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, well, then all the more reason to like put it out there, because why do you want to chase a small dream and a small goal that you know you can hit without trying? The big dream where the fear is, is where the excitement is and where the transformation is and where you're going to find like the most fulfillment. And so if your big dream is that I want to be paid to like garden and work in the dirt and work in the sand, then let's figure out what the plan is to make that happen. And let's figure out like what the platform is so you can start digging in the dirt as quickly as possible and people can start paying you and you can be compensated what you deserve for what it is that you truly want to do. And we can forget about the other until that's just insofar as to get to the big dream. Yeah, absolutely. That is an awesome message to end on. I think we should wrap it up there. Oh, this has been so fun. You know, I could talk to you for hours. I I know, right? (laughs) I love this. I'm so glad we got a chance to do it. I always love working with you. You're really just like such a very cool person. Um, I love, you know, just, you know, always got to give props to my, you know, female owned, women owned businesses. So I always love sure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us at Illumination Bureau. We hope that you have gained something by listening today. Illumination Bureau was brought to you by Portfolio Creative. You can find out more about Portfolio Creative at PortfolioCreative.com. If you have a topic that you want to hear about, don't hesitate to send us an email at questions at PortfolioCreative.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review it, or share it with a friend.